Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of No Limits here on StateHornet.com. I am Mac Irvin III and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host Gary Singh. Gary, how you doing today? What's up? What's happening? What's good with Mac Irvin III? Well, I posted it last night on my Twitter feed. Uh, Dread it, run from it, destiny arrives all the same with the Sacramento Kings who were officially <laughs> eliminated from the playoffs last night. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little later with our guest this week. Please welcome in the CBS Sacramento Sporting Director. It's Mr. Marshall Harris joining us. Marshall, how are you doing today? I'm 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 better than the Kings. I'll tell you that. Uh, the walking wounded, the trying to limp down to the finish line on Sunday. But you know what? I I, I kind of like the fight that they've shown, even though they're missing now. We're up to four fifths of their starting rotation and their sixth man rookie of the year candidate in Tyrese Halliburton. But they still out here fighting, and everybody's not out here fighting. So I'm with it. Agreed on that one. So the first question I got for you, Marshall, we wanted to get into is uh, just, you know, take us through your background and how you really got to where you are today. I know you're from Alabama. You know, maybe start from your journey from Alabama to, you know, the steps along the way to get to a position you are today. Well, yeah, I'm from uh, Huntsville, Alabama, a.k.a. the Rocket City, the hockey capital of the South, all those things. Uh, it's a, a nice little uh, city in northern Alabama, about an hour and a half south of Nashville, hour and a half north of Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, that's where I grew up. And, you know, when I was in high school, I was really just not wanting to do a whole lot of work, if that makes any sense. Um, when people ask me, like, what do you want to do? And I just really love sports. I love playing sports. I love watching sports. So every, every, every morning, they would throw a newspaper in our driveway, and I would go to the driveway, pick up the newspaper, and um, I would thumb through the, uh, the comics and then the sports section. Uh, and I realized that, you know, these stories that I'm reading, someone's writing these stories. And I was like, that actually sounds like something I could get down with because you've got people paying to go to games. These people get paid to go to these games and find out what's going on and, and cover them. And I, I think for me, realizing that that was a possibility uh, really changed things for me. Um, I went to this, uh, to the, to the library and they had this book. It's big, thick, like thicker than an encyclopedia. Not that people use encyclopedias anymore, but it was called the uh, Occupational Handbook. And it's got like every career you could possibly do. And it tells you all the details, like the level of schooling that you need, what, what skill sets uh, you need, and, and like what the salaries were for that. And I looked up reporter. And let me tell you, reporters, as you probably know, don't get paid a whole lot to start out. But the potential is there to make a good living and maybe to do something that you love. And so I said, let, let me do that. And so I went to uh, Mississippi State University. And when I went to Mississippi State University, uh, I got on the newspaper staff, uh, The Reflector. Um, I started working at the student radio station. I worked at a commercial radio station in town. Um, my first job broadcasting was calling high school football games for Starkville Academy. Um, I had no play-by-play -play experience, but it was so much fun, and I got paid to do it. I got paid 50 bucks a game to do it on a Friday night. 50 bucks back then, let me tell y'all. Lucky. You could do some things with 50 bucks. You could fill up your gas tank four times with 50 bucks back in the day. Um, and so it was, it, was, it was great. It was absolutely uh, phenomenal. And from there, I just uh, always was interning somewhere. Um, every summer, I would go back home to Huntsville, Alabama, and I would intern at a local station. And I learned, you know, how to shoot, write, edit, 
um, the three fundamentals of any job. Um, it's, it wasn't like it is now. Now you can literally take your phone and you can shoot, edit, you can write a little something. You can start your own vlog, YouTube channel, a podcast. You can do all that. All you need is a phone, a computer, whatever. Back then you had to like, you needed access to the facilities where people were shooting things and editing things. Um, and so I did that until my junior year where I said, I want to do a bigger internship. So I applied a bunch of places. I actually got an internship at uh, CNN in one of their divisions uh, in Atlanta, Georgia called CNN Sports Illustrated. It was a joint venture between CNN and Sports Illustrated. It was like an all sports news channel. And I interned there, uh, ran prompter, got a part-time job working there as an editor, editing the highlights that went out to all the stations across the country, um, logging those highlights. Um, and it was just a great experience. So when I got back after a semester off doing that, in the spring of what was supposed to be my senior year, I realized I needed that access to the equipment because I was just trying to make a resume tape, a resume reel. Um, I know it's not tape anymore. Now you just make a link and send it out to whoever. Back then you had to actually go and dub it down on VHS and send it out to all these stations hoping somebody would hire you. So I told the local station, WCBI in Columbus, Mississippi, that's market 132. I don't know if you guys are familiar with markets, but one being New York, 212 being Glendive, Montana, closer to the Glendive, Montana in terms of the size, market 132 in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, and I, I went to the news director, I said, hey, if you need a janitor, just let me know. I just need access to your facilities. I'll do whatever job. They didn't have any job openings at the time. A couple of months later, I get hit up and they tell me that, well, we're starting an extra newscast on Saturdays and normally our sports guy would go out and shoot everything and bring it back in and then do the 10 o'clock news. Well, now they were having a five o'clock news, so he needed to be back at the station and there was stuff that still needed to be shot. So they offered me a job as a part-time sports photographer and that's how I got my foot in the door. And I started shooting everything from high school sports to Mississippi State and Ole Miss, college football, basketball, softball, baseball, whatever they needed, I shot. And that's how I got my foot in the door. And, you know, it's real small, uh, Columbus, Mississippi. And during the school year, it's super busy because there's sports going on. In the summer, it's kind of slow. So they needed content for their shows. And they're like, hey, we're going to give you a chance to do a story a week to help us fill the content hole. So I started doing stories. And that's when I realized, like, okay, I have a chance here to get the resume together. Well, I did that for about two months. I had like five or six stories and the sports director at the station up and quit. The weekend guy became the sports director and they were like, Hey, you're a full-time college student. You still got a semester of school left. We're not going to hire you, but we do need you to fill in on the desk. So now I'm like, Oh, you're going to let me be a sports anchor on the weekends a little bit. Just mix it up, mix it up, mix it up. So that's how I got my first ever chance at being on the desk. And I went in that week and I was making $6 an hour as a part-time sports photographer. And I was like, I probably should get paid, be getting paid a little bit more than $6 an hour if I'm actually going to be on TV as a sports anchor. So I did it the first week on the weekend and I came in on Monday, the day after um, I had done it. And I went to the news director's office. And I was like, Hey, can we talk about the salary thing, man? I mean, look, I, I'm grateful that you guys have chosen me to help fill in. But I think I probably need a little bit more compensation. And he was like, yeah, you're, you, 
you're you're not wrong. Um, we could talk about that. Uh, I'll, let me let me look at some things. Now I'll, I'll get back with you later today. It's like okay, cool. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some more money. <laughs> um, so he calls me into his office a couple hours later, and Jeffrey Rupp, the news director, tells me he's like, "Hey, I know you're a full time student, y'all, but I really think that you can be the weekend sports anchor full time, and we'll work around your school schedule." I was like, you give me a job, like a full-time job, like with the benefits and <laughs> I get vacation time. So I got my first job in television, making $17,500 a year um, with the promise that that salary would go up to $22,500 as soon as I graduated. That was their little carrot they dangled to make sure I wasn't like missing the point of being in school, which was to get to the, the, the degree. So I did that for uh, a year and a half or so. And then I got a job in my hometown, Huntsville, Alabama, where I'd done an internship before, two internships, two summers previous. And the weekend guy became the sports director there. He needed a new weekend guy. And he knew me, he trusted me because I had worked with him before as an intern. That's why like, people think like the internships are about you know the experience they are, but more important than that, it's about the connections, networking. And now this guy who knows me now, rather than hire, you know, one of the several hundred people who apply for the job, because the jobs are crazy. So many people apply for jobs. Um, he, he, he went with the guy that he knew. And it, I was back home in my hometown, um, which was great because I'm the oldest of three. I had a little brother and a little sister who were both in high school. I got to hang out with them, watch them play sports, do their thing. Um, I worked there for two years, worked in Cincinnati after that. Uh, WKRC, the CBS affiliate, worked there for two years and I was in news and I had a very specific goal. When I got into the business and decided this is what I wanna do, I was like, I wanna be at an all sports network, whether regional or national, before I hit 30. If I do that, I feel like I've accomplished my goal, right? And sure enough, after I worked there for two years uh, in Cincinnati, I got offered a job at age 27 um, to work in Pittsburgh, and cover the Pirates and the Penguins and the Steelers, host pre and post game shows, travel with the Pirates and the Penguins. This is back before the pandemic, obviously. Like I was, I was a sideline reporter. I was a pre and post game host. I was living it up. And I actually turned down a job at ESPN um, to be an ESPN news anchor to do that. And people thought I was crazy. They were like, why would you turn down a job at ESPN to go work in Pittsburgh? Because that, to me, the opportunity of being kind of a beat reporter and traveling with these teams was way more something that I frankly wanted to do than be stuck in a studio in Bristol at that, at that age, at that time. Um, and it, it worked out great for me. Um, I worked there for two years and then I got a job doing the same type of work in Philadelphia, which back to the markets thing, Pittsburgh's in the low 20s, I think it's like 21 or 22. And then Philadelphia, it's what we call a one-handed market, is market four. It's uh, the fourth largest market in the country. And they are crazy about their sports in Philadelphia. I don't know if you, either of you guys have ever been there. But I worked there for uh, 10 years. Um, I lived in Philadelphia for 11 years. And I mainly hosted the pre- and post-game shows for the Phillies and the Sixers. And uh, it was tremendous. Fun, growth experience uh that city i fell in love with it was great and after i left there i was also doing i was also doing some radio work when i was there the last uh three years i was there but i left there and i came to sacramento because the station i work at now it didn't have a sports department for over a decade 
It's like, you know, you think of a local news, you think of news, weather, sports. Well, at CBS 13, it was news, weather. That's it. That's it. They didn't have a sports department. So they brought me out here to do uh, sports and to build a sports department because I had the experience doing longer form things, half hour shows, hour long shows. What do you think was like, just real quick, uh, probably a follow up question that was like, well, what do you think was the probably the funnest experience you think you had there out of your whole, like your stops and stuff? And what was probably the most like, where you learned the most skill sets at? Definitely one of the most skill sets at uh, my first job at, at WCBI in Columbus, Mississippi. Um, I just, you just get so much better. It's like anything. You get so much better when you start doing something. Like you're, you're bad. We're all bad. We're all amateurs when we start. No matter what it is. We're all amateurs when we start. And to go from learning how to white balance a camera to learning how to cut, you know, from a, a medium shot to a wide shot to a tight shot, um, sequencing video, uh, using NAT sound, um, all those things. That's I learned all that under the tutelage of uh, one Chris Latimer, uh, along with uh, my internships. My internships really opened the door um, for just having the skill set. Like most people, when I had an introduction to production, introduction to TV production class, my sophomore year in college, right? And my freshman, between my freshman year and sophomore year, I went back to Huntsville, Alabama. I interned at Channel 48, the station I would later go on to work for. And I learned how to edit. Here's what would happen. Um, the guy who was the sports guy, Craig Rickard, he, every day, like during the summer, our minor league baseball team, the Huntsville Stars would play, right? We gotta shoot the Huntsville Stars, that's your local team. So he would go after the six o'clock show and go to the game and shoot the game and, and come back and whatever. Well, he taught me how to do that within a couple of weeks, right? So now it went from him going to shoot the game to him dropping me off. Now he goes and has a proper dinner break and I shoot everything, he picks me up, I go back to the station, I edit the highlight, I write the highlight, like here's who's doing what. And now that's something he doesn't have to worry about. And like any mistakes I made early on, he corrected them and now I'm, I'm self-sufficient. And like, it's just the process of doing for me that got me the most excited what I loved. Um, that, was, that was important. Uh, what was the biggest thing I ever covered I mean, in 2012, uh, I was working at uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, um, and that job, you know, is connected with NBC Sports, and they selected me to go to London and cover the Olympics for 28 days. So I covered the Olympics uh, for local affiliates, and also uh, did some sideline for like uh, some uh, bike racing. That, I mean, it's the Olympics, dog. It's like we, we get together every four years and determine who's the best in the world. <laughs> exactly. So those two things were probably uh, the most transformative. Um, but really, my, the connections, the people I've met along the way, you know, where I, I don't miss the job itself anywhere I've ever been as much as I miss the people that I worked with. It's about the, the who you're working with. And, and that's, that's what makes any job great is the people that you work with all working as a team to, to achieve a goal, just like playing sports, really, you know? Um, and when you have a good show, it's a win. And everybody, who doesn't love to win? <laughs> two, people, two types of people, those who love to win and those who hate to lose. I'm probably in that second category. I hate to lose, but I also, I, I, I appreciate the wins. 
Man, it's crazy, like, the experience and the opportunities you've had. What was the... What was it like switching from writing and shooting, you know, photos and videos to, like, being a host, like, on air? Like, you mentioned pre- and post-game hosts. What's that experience like? And where did you learn... Where did you... How did the skills translate from the written word to the spoken word? You know, that's a great question. Um, I always tell people... Like I said before, if you can shoot, write, and edit, you can write your own ticket in this business. You don't necessarily have to be on air when I say write your own ticket. My college roommate, right, um, he wasn't on air ever, but he became a news director at local TV stations, uh, and now he's a general manager, so he run I'm just a face man. He runs TV stations, uh, but his ability to produce, um, to write, shoot, edit, that's what got him in the position. Um, for me, I think, you know, I love to talk to people. I'm naturally curious. Uh, I love sports. When you add those things up, it's uh, what I call an aptitude to doing this, especially the being on camera part. I mean, you have to be able to just break it down. Like, you know, uh, I'm the kind of person, if you drop me in a room with people I don't know, I'll just start talking to people. You have to have that natural curiosity and, and that want to to relate to other people. That's what makes someone good at this job. Um, as far as the like the writing part, like you, you gotta have that fundamental building block of being able to write, but write like you talk is a real thing. You know, um, being conversational is a real thing. If you're conversational in your writing, you're gonna be conversational in your speaking. And you do that, the world is your oyster. Uh, you know, this is a, a highly subjective business. There's a lot of people who can do what I can do in terms of the basics, in terms of speaking and, and delivering information, being uh, compelling. I have an acronym, right? I created, it's called ACE, okay? So these are the, the, the things that I take to me every time I step in front of a camera or just step to a mic. Um, cause it, it translates to radio, digital, whatever you want. So ACE, A-C-E, authenticity. You have to be authentic when you talk to people. Like they, if they think that you're being phony, then nobody wants to talk to you. No one's believing what you're talking about. Um, the C in ACE is credibility. You have to be credible. You have to know what you're talking about. If you know what you're talking about, people are going to be much more apt to, to lend you an ear. Uh, and then just execution. And the execution part, the E and the ACE, is being able to tie that together and just like give it to you straight. You know? You can do that. Yo, you can go places in this business. And like I said, we all start out as amateurs. Like, you may have an inclination of what you think you want to do, but anybody who ever looks at their first like attempt at being on TV cringes because they, we've all come so far. Even if you're good. You're like, Ugh. uh, but that's the, that's the fun. The growth is the fun. Any job that I take from now on. And when I took this job, I told the person that hired me, I said, look, I, I want to do two things. I want to have, I want to grow and I want to have a good time. I want to have fun. If I'm not doing those two things, I'm not doing the right job. So everyone should, should, should try to, if possible, have that approach. I mean, you, you're not always going to have fun. Work is still work. A job is still a job. But if you have fun in the growth, then you're always going to be okay. 
if you can see that you're getting better at doing something, you're going to be great. Like, what? The sky's the limit. The only limits we put on ourselves most times are limits we, we, we put on ourselves. <laughs> like, don't put limits on yourselves. You know, we all have setbacks. We all have hurdles. We all fall down and have to get back up again. If you're willing to get back up and, and keep rolling, you're going to be good. It's, 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 it's not that simple, but it is that simple. <laughs> yeah, we had Damien on last week, and he kind of mentioned like how you kind of um, really like he just in the passenger seat. And you know, you're driving the car when he's on the TV and stuff like that with you guys. So like, you know, let us know like what are like what are multiple things you're thinking about when you're on air. You know, how did you develop that knack to you know like you know focus on like you said focus on the camera and see what times that like you know how what like what are like the biggest tips you can give us that you know who are aspired to be where you are to like really learn that skill. That, that's a great question. And by the way, Damien is a great, he's a great passenger. He's also a great driver because I go on his radio show and I'm the one who gets to like joyride and kind of be a backseat driver because I, I, I'm that backseat driver that, that, that will sit behind the driver and just start kicking the seat, letting you know I'm here. I don't know how he feels about that, but that's just the way, that's the way <laughs> it goes. Um, I think for me, uh, always, always got to have a plan. Um, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. I'm sure you've heard that one before. But like, literally, you always have to have a plan. Whether it's a quick, I got to interview somebody in five minutes for two minutes, or hey, we're going to have this guest on, and you know about it on Monday, and we're going to have a guest on Sunday. What do we want to talk about? How do we want to do it? You have to be, always be a producer in your own head. Um, so you always have a plan, but you got to be highly malleable in what you're thinking. Because Someone may give you an answer to a question that will take you down a completely different road. Don't miss the exit that 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 will take you down like to that Dairy Queen where you could get yourself an ice cream cone just because you're obsessed with going to your destination. It's okay to to veer off a little bit, um, and I think you you just have to kind of as you ask your questions, know where you're trying to go. But if something more interesting is happening, yo, pull off to the side of the road, watch the fireworks, you know. Um, so I, I think for me, it's always having that kind of internal clock, which you just get over repetition of knowing I got five minutes to do this. Um, and knowing when someone is giving you a boring answer. So you, maybe you need to change gears a little bit when they're talking about something that they're really excited about and giving you a great answer. So you, you want to follow up on that. Um, and, and just, you know, think I'm curious about it. And if I'm curious, the viewers will probably be curious too. And that's what you have to, you, you are a conduit to the people. You have an audience. So do your best to represent for the audience. That's, that's, that's how I see it. I'm, 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 I have access that a typical Kings fan per se does not have. So use that and knowing what people want to know, find out, find out, find out. This episode was brought to you by Hornet Commons. Hornet Commons is a brand new on-campus Sac State housing community. Hornet Commons offers fully furnished two or four bedroom apartments on Sacramento State's campus with all things that make Sac State community unique and lovable. You're never far away from fun or your classes because Hornet Commons is at the center of it all. Steps away from the well, sports venues, and local hotspots. Experience all that student housing has to offer. Tons of great amenities including bocce ball courts, fire pits, and even a dog park. 
You'll love calling Hornet Commons home. They take care of everything from living essentials to entertainment and recreation. Their inclusive package helps simplify living and maximize convenience to make your life easy so you can focus on school and having fun. Visit HornetCommons.com for more information or to schedule your tour today. Well, speaking about that access to the Kings that not many people have, let's talk about them right now because they went out and broke all of our hearts last night. <laughs> they were leading the Memphis Grizzlies. They had the perfect scenario. The Knicks had already beaten the Spurs. All they had to do was win out the rest of the year and hope the Spurs dropped these two games to the Suns. But they collapsed in the final two minutes and the Grizzlies came back to win. And the Kings will miss the playoffs for the 15th straight season. So, <laughs> it's... That's hard a, to do, too. That's hard. I mean, only one team has ever done it before. The San Diego Clippers. Not even the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, the San Diego Clippers before they moved to L.A. Ugh, it's it's a dark road. But, Marshall, tell us what you think about this team. And where does their future lie? The easy answer to that is it lies in the future. I mean, <laughs> look, look, we have so many questions that need to be answered. Um, time will tell. Um, if you're trying to prognosticate right now, you're really just, you're, you're just going to hurt your head. I mean, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, right? Like Kings fans have been banging their heads against the wall for 15 years, 15 years. I, I What I said on air last night, going into the highlight is, if you can't legally drive, like you're not old enough to get your driver's license, you've never seen a Kings go to the playoffs. That's crazy. Like you have a whole generation now of fans and you wonder why they're Lakers fans or Kobe fans or LeBron fans or Warriors fans. Because they don't know what success looks like here in Sacramento. I can't be mad at that. Um, you're making it sad, Marshall. <laughs> no, no. Am I making it sad or am I telling the truth? You're telling the truth. You're telling the, truth the truth is sad. <laughs> so, like, people your age may remember a glimpse of what it was like, like, when you were four or five years old or six years old. Like, oh, the Kings were good once, I remember. But the majority of their time in the city of Sacramento, we just celebrated, what, 35 years last year? The majority of the time, the Kings have not been good. Like, point blank. And I'm waiting to see what Monty McNair does. Um, this is, like, his first full offseason. Last year was, like, a crapshoot of an offseason because of the pandemic, because of when he was hired, the short offseason. Like, it, it's crazy. Um, I think Luke Walton will be back. I could be wrong, but I think Luke Walton will be back. Um, the players like him. They play hard. One thing I'll say, the last two weeks – have the players played hard? Win or lose, they've played hard. You take away that what happened against Utah, the the blowout, blowout, like like blowout, like they do with the hairdresser. Like, <laughs> outside of that, the Kings have played hard, and they played hard with less, and they've come up with win. Like they weren't supposed to beat the Grizzlies on the road with Jonas Valanciunas and Ja Morant and them's. But they played hard. They ran out of gas at the end. But, can, like, Rashawn Holmes goes down in the first quarter. You're literally missing four-fifths, 80% of your starters, and Tyrese Halliburton, your rookie of the year candidate. So, yo, they're doing more with less right now. 
And maybe they win today. We know a lot of guys are going to get run that don't normally get run. Um, and maybe they can give the Jazz a game on Sunday. Although I've seen the Jazz backups torch the Kings before, and that's when the Kings had their good players. So we'll see about that. But I look, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Kings. I think they will be better next year. I think they will get more moves. Monty McNair comes from the Rockets, right? So I think he's positioning them to be there when a star becomes available, um, much in the way... You know, the Rockets did with James Harden. They kept their roster serviceable, not great, but not bad. Um, they made the playoffs two years before they got Harden, and they just missed the playoffs, I think, the year before they got Harden. And that offseason, you know, they had to figure out they're going to pay, you know, Serge Ibaka or they're going to pay James Harden. Obviously, they went the Ibaka route. Harden became available. Bam, bam, bam. The next guy could be available soon. So, that's the only way the Kings are getting talent is via trade or the draft. And the draft, as we know, takes years to develop. Trades, you just you have to be ready for the moment because ain't nobody coming to Sacramento as it stands right now in free agency. Like, it's not happening. It's not unless happening. You, unless you overpay, right? <laughs> the middle I mean, classers. Even if you <laughs> overpay, like pe- pe- NBA players get paid enough now that if we're talking about a superstar, he's going to get paid by somebody and he, he'll take less. Have you seen all these players who have taken less money to play where they want to play? LeBron strikes me as like exhibit A. I asked Mac and Mac's smiling right now because I'm using the positive person on the Kings about this topic. And I'm going to start off positive again, Mac. I mean, but I did like what we But that's see. the problem is I was, I was positive last night too. I was looking at it. I was like, hey, we still got a chance. Yeah, <laughs> and you did. You had a chance. You had a chance. Not a, not, a, not a high chance. I think the play that kind of summed everything up last night was with about 40 seconds left and we were down by like three or four points and they let the shot clock expire. That was, I've never felt so low as a Kings fan in that Let's moment. See, now you're using hyperbole. You definitely felt yeah. that low as hey, a Kings fan. Hey, I thought you were going to mention one. Now <laughs> you're another example of how low you things get for a Kings fan on a regular basis. Mac, I thought you were going to mention when Metu aired the ball on the three-point line after he hit like two or three of them already. I'm like, air ball, my dude? Come on, guys. That's what Luke oh. called timeline after. It looked like there's a little nervousness out there. But, yeah. Yo, things get tight at the end of games. They at the end of the day, they had John ja Morant and his explosive playmaking ability was on display. And if you notice, they made their runs when he was off the court, the beginning of the second quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, and it, like Justin James came off the bench and almost doubled his career high with 31 points. He had to play out of his mind just for you to have a chance. Like Let's be reasonable here, people. Let's be reasonable. You are right, Marshall. I got one last funny question for you. I know Max over here looking at the time right now on us. But um, last, all right. So I got to ask you one thing. I went to your Instagram today and I seen something that's so funny because literally I have the same app, Marshall. I got word of the day. And it's funny that you're making those videos because literally I was thinking about that like a, a year ago. Like I should make like a word of the day on TikTok because things blow up on TikTok. So explain the word of the day to us, how you've been using it. If anyone goes on Marshall's Instagram, you should go check it out. It's a great tiktoks are funny and you know they're a great way to learn words i think every day to be honest which is the word of the day app so like explain the idea where it came from you know how you try to use it to maybe challenge yourself like i kind of used it just to get that app initially to challenge myself every day to learn a new word 
Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of how it came to me. You know, I basically, you know, I use one of my favorite words, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, the word is mollywop. <laughs> um, mollywop means to beat somebody down. Okay, whether that's a physical fight, whether that's um, in sports, when you just let me give you an example. Not too long ago, the Utah Jazz mollywopped the Kings. Is that everybody got the context now? Okay, good, good. Um, and so I wanted to share people with the word mollywopped. I used it on the air. I was like, let me tell you about mollywop. And so I made it the word of the day. And I was like, let me do some more word of the days. And so I just started using words that maybe everybody didn't know. And I was like, send me your suggestions for word of the day. So people just sent me all kinds of stuff. So I just started incorporating into my uh, newscast um, every Wednesday. We, we do a thing called Word Up Wednesday. We're now go on Good Day Sacramento, our morning show, and I'll promote my word of the day and be like, send it, send it to me. And so I was like, let me make these into TikToks. So I made them into TikToks. And I haven't made a TikTok in a while. I, I need to do that. But uh, it's just something different for me to do to break up the monotony of, uh, of, of what's going on. That, that's all. That's all. I think that's a good example of you saying, you know, you got to have fun with your job. And it looks like you have a lot of fun doing those. So. I had, at that point when I started that, I had not been having much fun at the job. Boom. There you go. Got to get it some way. <laughs> All right. Last, last question. Marshall, give us what you think is going to be the biggest surprise in this NBA postseason. I don't know if it's going to be a surprise, but beware the Golden State Warriors. I'm just letting you all know. Um, I don't know if you saw where they are in the play-in standings. If they make the playoffs, they'll either be the 7th seed or the 8th seed. I don't know if you know that the 7th seed plays the 2th seed and the 8th seed plays the 1th seed. But if you look at those respective teams, there's only two teams that can be in that role. Utah, Phoenix. The Warriors recently played those two teams on back-to-back nights. And they won both games. Nobody wants to see Steph Curry in the playoffs. Especially since the young players around him have started to kind of figure it out what they need to do. Whether that's Andrew Wiggins giving you an occasional, you know, 30-point night. Whether that's Draymond Green, who's become a triple-double machine. Uh, Jordan Poole, legit scorer off the bench. Um, Kent Bazemore, you guys are all too familiar with the kind of defensive spark that he can provide a team. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson, yo, hungry. Young boy, hungry. So, beware the Golden State Warriors. That's all. That's all. I think that's a good one. I thought you were going to say they beat the Lakers in the elimination in the play, and I was like, I don't I'm know saying, about that. I won't, be shocked <laughs> if they beat the, I won't be shocked if they beat the Lakers. That'll mm-hmm. just make them the seventh seed. I will be kind of shocked if they don't make the playoffs. Got um, you. But if they beat the Lakers, they're in, and then the the seventh seed. And nobody nobody wants those problems. Not remember. Last time we were in the playoffs, a young man named Kenny Smith on TNT went on the air and said, or not, not went on, did he go on the air? I don't know if it was on the air or if it was on Twitter, but he was like, he called Dame Lillard the greatest shooter in the game. The recency bias is real. <laughs> like, Steph had been out, he played five games last year, and all of a sudden Dame was lighting him up in the playoffs and in the bubble. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. So don't tell me Dame Lillard is the greatest shooter in the game. He's not. Steph Curry, period. Boom. And Dame is – and that's no slight on Dame. It's just there's levels to this. 
I think real quick, I think my shocker, like you said, recency bias, and I'm going to use that to make my shocker because I don't know what's wrong, but everyone wants to dump on the Lakers, and I'm not a Laker fan, but I am a LeBron fan, and everyone's been saying that, you know, they're down the dumps, they're not going to get that far. That's all I've been seeing in all these talk shows all of a sudden. That's why I've been seeing, Marshall, these guys, people are not believing in the Lakers not to go far no more, not to win the championship, and I've been saying they're going to go back-to-back. As long as LeBron and AD are in the lineup, I'm a, they, I got them going back-to-back. LeBron said it the other day. I think they're going to go back-to-back. I think it's going to be probably his best, one of his best rings ever. And we're going to have a lot of GOAT conversations again this summer. Well, post-summer. I mean, if they, beat the, if, if they beat the Nets, okay, yeah, that would be – I right now, if the Nets are healthy, I just – I'm having a hard time coming up with a team that can beat the Nets. That is true. That is true. Defense, I'm just holding on to that defense award. I know it doesn't look real right now. I know it doesn't look real right now. But wait till the playoffs because what did the Lakers win with, with last year? defense. I don't know. That's what I'm holding on to. But then again, you're all right. They got three MVPs, basically, so it is tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to piggyback off what Marshall said and being scared of the Warriors. Uh, Jazz going home in the first <laughs> round. Wow. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who's seven or eight. I got the Jazz going home in the first round. Back to so, back whether the Lakers, so whether it's the Lakers or the Warriors, they going, uh, okay, that's I not, you that's know, not, that's not even yet. that crazy of a thing to say. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> that actually makes more sense because uh, you know what? Uh, he, he, what's his name? Hasn't even played. My, how am I forgetting right now? Donovan Mitchell slipped in my mind, but yeah, he hasn't even played in a while, so it kind of makes sense. Like the rust, rust might get to him early, especially in a hard first round matchup. Seven game series, man. Usually the best team wins. Yep. Mm. All right, and that's gonna do it for this week's episode of No Limits. Again, Marshall Harris, thank you for joining us and talking pro sports with us. Appreciate y'all having me. Gary Mack, I really do appreciate the time. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, too. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to go check out all the other stories and podcasts on statehornet.com. And we'll see you for the next episode of No Limits. Peace.